0: Well, good morning. Good morning, Tower View. Good morning, world. I'm waiting here. My computer is doing things. This book is trying to do things. There we are. Good morning. Good morning, Tower View. Good morning, world. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening this morning. Um, As everybody comes into the classroom this morning here, I'll just kind of talk around this morning. Uh, I'm coming to you live this morning from Tower View Baptist Church in Kansas City, Missouri. Uh, across the road from the, advent- the amusement park known as Worlds of Fun, Oceans of Fun. Thank you for watching and thank you for listening. I'm sitting in the classroom that is sometimes known as the women's classroom. On Wednesday night during Club 316, it is the craft room as you see some crafty stuff over here, some little pig pigs and piggy bottles. And, and I, have, I have a person in the class watching this morning. And there's a bunch of other craft things in here, also known as the, the ladies' classroom on Sunday morning, taught by uh, Miss Shirley Harris and Cindy Hager. And so thank you for watching this morning. Thank you for listening. Um, if you want to know more about Tower View, you can go to towerviewkc.com. This morning, later, we will have our drive-in church at 10.30. Um, If you missed that, Darren will post his sermon this morning online. Also, the music that we'll sing during the service will be posted later this morning online. So everything will be there on on our TowerViewKC.com website. Just go to the um, the appropriate tab. I think it's called Go Live or, or, or something, or This Sunday. I saw it and then I completely forgot about it right away. So thank you for watching, thank you for listening. This morning we continue on our uh, lesson in the book of Romans. And uh, before we start, let me start with a word of prayer. Lord God, we just thank you and praise you, Lord, for all that you do. You are a mighty God. Help us to be your servants as we study your word for a few minutes this morning. We pray all this in Jesus' holy name, amen. So we've been going through the book of Romans. And last week we were in Romans chapter 8. This this week we skipped up to chapter 10. Um, we skipped chapter 9. Some of you um, really, um, you know, have studied scripture, studied Romans a lot, know there, there, there's a lot writing in Romans chapter 9. Um, hi Judy, I'm glad you're here. And I but the lesson plan skipped it. But we're not going to actually really skip it. Uh, we're not going to be reading it, any verses out of it today. But Romans, as we come up to this point in the book of Romans, realize that Paul, he's just not writing randomly. Okay? He starts off this book of Romans, you know, talking about wanting to be there. But he gives his, kind of his thesis, if we to say, why he's writing this book of Romans. We find that in Romans chapter 1 verse 17 for it is righteousness. It is the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. Just as it's written, the righteous will live by faith. And that's where he's leading to through through this whole book. The righteous will live by faith. And then he continues on and he talks about, um, the difference was, you know, sin and the law and the differences between Jews and Gentiles and God's judgment. And in chapter three, You know, he says, you know, there is no righteous. And he quotes many verses from the Old Testament. In verse 21, he says, But apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been revealed, attested by the prophets and the law. The righteousness of God is through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe, since there is no distinction. And there's no distinction between Jew and Gentile. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So he starts off with, it. there's no distinction. We're all sinners. We all fall short of the glory of God. But yet, through faith in Jesus, in the last part of three, and he uses the example in, in Romans 4 of the faith, that righteousness is by faith, and he uses the example of Abraham in chapter 4. And because you have that faith, because of what Jesus did in chapter 5, therefore, since we have been declared righteous by faith, we have been declared righteous. Who declared us righteous? God did. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus. Um, I hope it's screen. my screen is flickering. I hope it's not flickering on, on, your, lot, on your screen either, but uh, bear with me if it is. But we have been declared righteous. And that through affliction, we have a hope, an eternal hope, a steadfast hope in the future. Why do we have this hope? Because the what we had before did not produce hope. The sin of Adam did not produce hope. And then chapter 6, what shall we say then? Should we continue to sin so that grace may multiply? Absolutely not. We are not to sin anymore. Why? For the wages of sin is death, Romans 6.23. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And so he goes through, you're sinners. We're all sinners. But by faith, God has declared you righteous, because what we had before was awful. But the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. And then he goes into chapter 7 and it says, Even though we have the gift of God, we have eternal life, this earthly body still exists, and we still sin, whether we like it or not. We don't want to sin, but we keep doing what we don't want to do. But you know what? We get to chapter 8. Therefore, there is now no condemnation because of the law of the Spirit of life. And in chapter 8, it tells us that we are adopted, that we are co-heirs with Jesus Christ, that we are no longer slaves to sin, but we are now servants of the righteous God. And that because of that, we have triumphed. Who can bring bring an accusation against God's elect? That's us. That no matter how we pray, no matter what words we say or can't say, the Holy Spirit intercedes for us. And that because of that, that... um, that we, that he Paul said, he's, I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor heights nor depths nor any created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And so he, he goes through this whole, and we think it's, well, it's just theology. But theology brings out praise. It brings out praise of God. And he's building to this whole thing. And then we get to church chapters 9, 10 and 11. And he says and then he says, uh, he says well who then can be saved? He goes back to the there is no distinction and he starts talking about the differences between Jews and Christ Jews and Gentiles again. And that God has chosen. And we're going to get into that a little bit more. He has chosen who is going to be saved. And he's like, "What? No, but it's all right." God knows. He has chosen. God knows. And he knows that not ever all the Jews are going to be saved. Even though they are physical descendants of Abraham, he knows that not all of them are saved. But he also knows that those who were not Jewish, the Gentiles, are going to be saved. The people who were not my people, as it says in Hosea, people who were not my people are going to come to him, and that's us. And he continues that in chapter 10. And he spells it out a little bit better in chapter 10. So in chapter 10, leading up to the, the, the lesson plan, is in, begins in verse 5. But in verse 4, it says, For Christ is the end of the law of righteousness to everyone who believes. Since Moses, In verse 5, Since Moses writes about the righteousness that is from the law, the one who does these things will live by them. But the righteousness that comes from faith speaks like this. Okay, let's stop right there. We'll come on. So he's he's leading up to this. Who can be saved? Well, he goes back to the Old Testament. As you read chapters 9 and 10 and 11, you see that he quotes the Old Testament over and over. He's quoting out of Leviticus. He's quoting out of Isaiah. He's quoting out of Deuteronomy. Over and over again. That brings up two points. One, he's using Scripture... To show his point, okay, but how do you use scripture to show your point? You have to study scripture. You have to read it more than one verse at a time. He has read through all the scripture that he had. The scripture he had, we now call just the Old Testament. He—I don't know if he knew as he was writing this letter that he was writing new scripture. I don't know if he knew that or not. But the New Testament didn't exist yet. And so he's using, he has studied scripture and he understands what's going on as he's writing this for us. He says, the one, you know, since Moses writes about the righteousness, Moses writes about righteousness. And he's going to quote from this, but I want to read a, whole, a section of Deuteronomy. You see on the board behind me, Deuteronomy chapter 30. I want to read this starting in verse 11. So Deuteronomy chapter 30, starting in verse 11. This is Moses speaking to the nation of Israel just before Moses died and just before Israel went to the uh, cross the Jordan River following Joshua. So uh, they've spent the 40 years in the wilderness and everything and here's Moses writing in verse 11 this command that I give you today is certainly not too difficult or beyond your reach. It's not hard. This isn't, this isn't rocket science, people. It's not music theory, okay? This isn't hard stuff. It is not in heaven so that you have to ask, who will go up to heaven and get it for us and proclaim it to us so that we may follow it? And it is not across the sea that you may ask, who will cross the sea, get, get it for us and proclaim it to us so that we may follow it? But the message is very near to you, in your mouth and in your heart, so that you may follow it. See today that I give I set before you life and prosperity, death and adversity. For I am the Lord, for I am commanding you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in his ways, to keep his commands, statues, and ordinances. It's, Moses said, This isn't hard, it's right here. Okay? This th- this is not a hard concept. It's right here. You don't have to go up to heaven. You don't have to go up to some tall mountain. Moses went up to Mount Sinai and brought back the 10 commandments. But Moses said it's right here. You don't have to go up to another mountain, okay? You don't have to cross the sea. This Moses wrote that way before Jonah tried to run away from God by crossing the sea. You don't have to cross. You don't have to do some great deeds and great feats in the world to follow God. You just walk in his ways. You just walk in his ways. And and, and the book of Romans is a great book to say, how do you walk in his ways? What does it look like to walk in his ways? What does it mean? And that's what chapters 1 through 8 is. What does it mean? What does righteousness mean? What does walking by faith mean? And in here, he's he's spelling out what really is salvation. What is salvation? when you when you say you 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 accept christ by faith what does that look like and that's what we're going to see to hear today in romans 10. what does it look like to walk by faith where how does that walk begin so in verse five again since moses writes about the righteousness that is from the law the one who does these things will live by them and there he's quoting the book of leviticus That those who walk by faith will live by them. He's quoting Leviticus and making the point that you need to follow God's law for righteousness. The Egyptian law, the Babylonian law, the Phoenician law, they don't count. They won't get you to righteousness. Only God's law will get you to righteousness. Verse six, but the righteousness that comes from faith speaks like this Do not say in your heart, who will go up to heaven. That is to bring Christ down. And so there he just quoted from Deuteronomy 30 that we just read. So you don't have to go up to heaven to bring Christ down. Christ already did that. Who will go down into the abyss? That is to bring Christ up from the dead. Um, if you read through the Old Testament, you never, except for a little bit under Solomon, you never read about the great Jew, the Israel Israelite navies. israelites were not seafaring people on on the whole and so in the deuteronomy i read it says go across the sea paul says here the abyss okay to the jews that was one and the same the sea was not they they, they did not romance the sea the sea was a nasty place it was a place of death um, a place where you drowned it was a barrier And so Paul here he 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 refers to the sea as the abyss, a deep dark hole. Who will go down into the abyss? That is to bring Christ up from the dead. Christ, you don't need to bring Christ up from the dead, he did it himself. So you don't need to go looking for Christ. There's no place to go to go look for him. He's already here. So these two these two quotes from uh, Deuteronomy uh, emphasize the you know that God has done it all. Jesus has done it all. You don't have to go look for Christ. Christ came down from heaven. Christ came up from the grave. He did it all. No further deed is necessary by God or by you. There are no more deeds. You don't have to go on any quest and find a Holy Grail to be saved. Um, in verses eight and nine. On the contrary, what does it say? The message is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. This is the message of faith we proclaim. So it's a two-part message. It's in your mouth, you speak it, it's also in your heart. What is this mouth and in your heart? If we, if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Verse 10, one believes with the heart, resulting in righteousness, and one confess with the mouth, resulting in salvation. Now, it looks like it's two parts, but you can't separate these two. It's like, well, okay, you, you've done part one. Have you done part two? You've confessed, but do you believe? If you haven't confessed, there's no way you can believe. And you can't believe unless you confess. And so he broke it apart, but then in Deuteronomy, it was broken in two parts. We saw that when we read back in Deuteronomy today. Um, In verse 14, it says, But the message is very near to you, in your mouth and in your heart. And so he's just taking the words of Moses and repeating them for us. It's in your mouth because it's what we speak. So do the words that come out of your mouth give evidence to people that you, you follow God? Okay. Do you believe in your heart? Do the things that you think, do the attitudes that you have, do the intellectual ideas and philosophies that you have, do they show that you believe in God? They go together. It's not either or. It's not, okay, you do one, then the other. They go together. And and, and the way he puts this there tells you that, that Jesus is Lord. And, and he kind of does the thing so he says if you confess with your mouth so he uses your mouth first and believe in your heart and then in verse 10 it says if one believes in your heart now uses heart first and confess with your mouth and mouth lasts uh, it, it's a pattern that they use in scripture often a b and then you go b a so a is the mouth b is believe then you go believe then he does believe again and then he does it mouth it's all connected. It's not one or the other. It's not a list of things. that here, Here's the checklist of things you need to do to be saved. You do both of these at the same time. And in verse 9 and verse 10, it looks like he's, he lists different things. But verse 9 and verse 10, they all happen together. If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. Believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead. That is the by faith. That is not a deed. Because you have to accept both of those by faith. You have to set that Jesus is your Lord. He is your God. Paul uses the word Lord here, and in the Greek, they use the word Lord. The Jew, the Bible that Paul was using at the time is called the Septuagint. It's a Greek translation of the Hebrew. So a couple hundred years before Jesus, or around 200 BC or so, the Jews that were living in Egypt at the time translated the Hebrew scriptures from Hebrew into Greek because that's the language that most people most Jews even spoke at that time because the whole middle eastern world had been part of the Greek empire at, by this time and when they translated the old testament when they got to the word Yahweh and they translated it into Greek they didn't trans, they didn't transliterate Yahweh like we I just did that's a Hebrew word pronouncing it in English at least the way we think it should be pronounced they they, to the greek word kurios which is the word lord and our english translations have followed that we just use the word lord throughout the old testament we don't say yahweh or jehovah isn't that yahweh and jehovah are the same word we don't use those in most of our english translations and so paul is saying jesus is lord jesus is yahweh is what he is saying jesus is your lord like a lord and lady he is your leader You can take it in that connotation too he's saying all those it's it can be used both ways he's using it both ways too he is your leader he is your king and so he's taking the references from the old testament and applying them to jesus he's saying references to god god the father and applying them to jesus saying that jesus is god also He is raising Jesus to the level of deity. But Jesus did that too in the Gospels. This is not Paul bringing up some new idea. Paul is just reaffirming what Jesus said and did when you read through the Gospels, especially the Gospel of John. You see that. Jesus is Lord. You have to believe that. You have to confess that with your mouth. And you believe that not only is Jesus is Lord, that he has been raised from the dead. It means you believe in his crucifixion. His sacrificial death and that you believe that he was raised that God raised him from the dead and that because you confess those things with your mouth and you believe that in verse 10 one believes in the heart resulting in righteousness and confesses with the mouth resulting in salvation resulting in righteousness resulting in salvation those are not two separate things Those are the same things. You aren't saved if you're not declared righteous. When you're declared righteous, you are justified before God, the word that we've used before. All that happens at the same time. These are not different things. And so all this is required for salvation. And so who can be saved? Is it just the Jews? Is it just the Gentiles? Paul is a Jew, but he's... He calls himself the prophet to the Gentiles. And as you read chapter 9, you see that he declares that he is a prophet to the Gentiles. Even though he grew up a Jew. And then we get to verses 11 and 12. For scripture says, everyone who believes on him will not be put to shame, since there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, because the same Lord of all richly blesses all who call on him. For scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. Okay? Will not be put to shame. Um, That, depending on your your Bible, the the, the translation that I have, I'm going to hold it up to the camera here. You see there's um, places in there where some of the words are in bold. Okay? I'm not holding it maybe up to the right spot on the camera because I can't figure that out. Okay? Everything's backwards, but everything you know that is, is in bold, like right down here, uh, down here by my pinky, is in bold. And those bold words are quotes from the Old Testament. And so here he is quoting from Hosea. I'm sorry, did I get that right? Where's that one, Joel? Um, verse eleven. Got to read all the tiny words at the bottom. And that's from Isaiah. He's quoting from Isaiah there. You, you call on him, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. And he uses this phrase, put to shame, earlier in, in, in chapter 5. In chapter 5, 5, there is hope that will not disappoint us. That is, will not put us to shame. The hope of God that we have will not put us to shame. Everyone who believes will not be put to shame. Now the world will try to shame us but you will not be put to shame in God. Why? In verse 12, since there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, there is no distinction. When he mentioned this, there is no distinction back in chapter three. It had kind of a depressing point because he's talking about there's no distinction in between Jew and Greek because of sin. We all fall short of the glory of God here. There is no distinction because the same Lord of all richly blesses all who call on him all who call on him. That is the blessing. There is no distinction. You will not be put to shame when you call on the Lord. When you call on God. Verse 13, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That That's, that's the one that comes from Joel. From the Old Testament uh, book of Joel, Joel 2.32. He's quoting the Old Testament here. Everyone who calls on the Lord, name of the Lord will be saved, Jew and Gentile, men and women, white and black, American, Russian, Chinese, African, Africa is not a country, um, Kenya. All who believe will be saved. All who call on his name. On the name of the Lord whether that Lord, God, the Father, Jesus Christ, the Son, He is also the Lord. There is no distinction all called, called on all of us. Who can be saved? All of us can be saved. You're saved by faith. Why? Because you confess with your mouth and you believe in your heart. That's what saves you. Now, as you read through chapter 9, it, seemed, you know, it talks about, well, who's going to be saved? Well, God already knows who's going to be saved. Yes, He does. He knows. He has called you. He has elected you. It's like, what about free will? Yes, you have free will. Okay? It's not an either or, it's a both and. And here's the way I explain it as an unsaved person coming to God and you hear the message of God preached, which we're going to get to in verses 14 and 15, when you hear the message of God preached, you have to decide to follow Him. You know nothing about election. You know nothing about eternal security of the believer. You you don't know any of that. You just know that you have to confess for the first time that Jesus Christ is Lord. Because you are a sinner. And that you need to believe in your heart for the first time that Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins. And that God raised him from the dead to conquer death. And because of that you've been justified, your sins have been justified freely. You are now an adopted son of God and an adopted daughter of God. And that you've been declared righteous, which results in salvation. And you have to believe that you have to choose that for that very first time. That is salvation 101. That's the basics that we have to preach. Because we don't know the mind of God. We don't know what the future holds, God does. Now after you have been saved, after you have come to Christ and you start studying scriptures and you start battling the world now because you are now an enemy of the world, you are no longer a slave to sin and you're trying to conquer sin in your life and you're having a bad day and you're you're struggling with this and then you go back and you read chapter 8 and chapter 9 of Romans that says God has elected you he has chosen you from the beginning and you can use that as a great assurance that you are saved and you did not lose your salvation that that struggles that you were having you will endure and persevere to the end as it says in chapter 5 of Romans that affliction will produce proven character and which produces an eternal hope that we have for the future, a steadfast assurance. And that because of the elected, because it says in Timothy that God remains faith, when we lose our faith, God remains faithful for he cannot deny himself. And so because of that, you read that that Salvation 201, that's like the advanced level. You know that even though you're having a bad day, even though our emotions are all in a turmoil because we have a migraine headache, our emotions are all in turmoil because the one we know has died or has cancer or some other tragedy has happened in our life. We know even though the world around us is falling apart, that we have an eternal hope in God no matter what. And that God and we know that because God has elected us. So don't worry about election when you're going out and sharing the gospel. We need to share the gospel with everybody because we don't know who that, what the future holds. We don't know who God has elected. But to know that if you've come to Christ and you were following him with all your heart, and with all your mind, with all your soul, God has elected you and he can't lose you. And that's Salvation 201. So it's not an either or, it's a both and. How is that possible? I don't know. God's big. I'm little. God's bigger than my mind can grasp. What do we do with this gospel message? What do we do with this message that we have? That's what Paul gets to in verses 14 and 15. And he asks a bunch of questions. He says in verse 14, How then can they call on him? They have... Let me start that again. How then can they call on him they have not believed in? And how can they believe without hearing about him? And how can they hear without a preacher? And how can they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. So he works backwards here. And he does it with questions. And they all start with the word how. How can they call on one how do they call on him? How can they call on him if they have not believed in him? How can you call on Jesus? How can you call on God if you don't believe in him? What's the point in calling out to him if you don't believe who he is? But he backs up. How can they believe if they haven't heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless somebody tells them about him? He sends a preacher, and how can they? How can a preacher go tell them about it if the preacher hasn't been sent? How you know? Then he says, "How it's written." So he he says now here many times these other places he quoted the Old Testament. He didn't say he was quoting the Old Testament. Here he says, "As is written," he says, "I'm quoting the, I'm quoting the scriptures." How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news, and that's from Isaiah. And in Isaiah, he's t- they're talking about rejoicing that they can go back to Israel, that Babylon's been defeated. Um, they, they've been delivered from Babylon from captivity. But here he's talking about the being delivered from sin, the captivity of sin, being delivered from the slavery of sin. And so he works backwards with all these questions. And so that we must send people to go. Sometimes that's sending people far away, as we've sent people from our church. They're in other parts of this world. They're in Asia. Uh, We have people from our church that have been to Africa. Okay, Whether they've been there for a long time or a short time, uh, they have to go. And so sometimes part of that sending is, you know, here we support them financially we support them spiritually by praying for them reading their reports that they give back sending them messages of encouragement and prayers sometimes is you're the one that sent you have to be you have to say god send me as isaiah said lord send me and you have to be the sent one Sometimes that's a long term thing that you go for a year or two or longer. Sometimes it's a short term thing where you just go for a couple weeks or a time. Sometimes being sent is not being sent to the other side of the world. Sometimes being sent is just walking across the room and talking to that person in the other cubicle during break time or talking to, uh, uh, somebody in your family that's on the other side of the room sometimes it's talking to your neighbor across the backyard fence talking to the person you're standing in line with at the at the grocery store sometimes being sent is a short trip it's just to take taking the initiative and being the willingness to talk to somebody that's close by it says but it it says a preacher Well, yes, in English, when we say preacher, we think of a person who gets up on Sunday morning and stands in front of a a room full of people up on a little raised platform and, and talks while we all sit and listen. But a preacher is anybody who shares the message of God. Okay. Yes, we need to have the preachers. We need to have the pastor of the church. We need those people. But we also need the people that just shares with their family members, that just shares with their coworkers, or the stranger in the parking lot, or your neighbor. Because the preacher can't get to all those people, and not all those people will come to church. So sometimes you can be the preacher. You're like, Well, I don't know enough. Well, then read the scripture and learn more. Okay? And you know what? Sometimes people ask you a question that you don't know the answer to, and you say, I don't know. Let me check it out. And then you call me or Pastor Darren or somebody and say, hey, what about this question? And I might say, I don't know. I don't, I let me look it up and we will look it up together. That's okay. You don't have to have all the answers. You just have to be willing. You have to know the basics. You learn the basics by reading scripture. And if you read the book of Romans, you read it over and over again, you will have the basics of salvation in the book of Romans. Because chapter 1 through 10 that we've done so far is the gospel message of sin and and faith in God and righteousness and and endurance, okay, and knowing that God is with you. And here is the gospel call and the gospel message of what you need to do to be saved. How can they preach unless they are sent? And so, because they need to hear it, they can't believe in something they haven't heard of. I read about Campus Crusade for Christ, which is now called something else. But when it was started back in the 60s, you know, the four spiritual laws and the different things that they did, a lot of it was just reminding college students what they learned when they were younger. But now, when you go out to a college campus, There's a many college students that have never been inside a church. Their parents never took them to church. They're college students that have all kinds of beliefs. They're very spiritual, small s. They're very eclectic. They've adapted some stuff from Confucius and some stuff from Buddhists and some uh, stuff from maybe an idea or something from Christianity and maybe an idea from um, Islam. They're very eclectic. They don't know what they believe. Or they may be very sure of it, but it's not ground in Scripture. All of Scripture. And so they need to hear the gospel message from us. And so we need to speak to them so they can believe and so they can call out to God. And that's what this scripture that we're reading today is. It's it's what you need to do for that final step of salvation. We see as we read up through Romans, all the foundation. We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. We're saved by faith. The wages of sin is death. At just the right time, Christ died for us. But now there is no condemnation for those who call on Christ Jesus. Jesus is Lord. Confess with your mouth. Believe in your heart. And you will be declared righteous. And you will be saved. And because you were declared righteous. And because you are saved. You can endure when inflection comes. And that endurance will give you proven character. And that endurance. That proven character. Points you to an eternal hope. A steadfast assurance. That what you have. No matter how awful this world is. That you, you, will, you will go forth. And that you have an eternal home. Because who can bring an accusation against God's elect? What can defeat us in this world? Neither life or death or principalities. Nothing. Nothing can defeat you when you are in God. I've never faced it, but I always wondered if somebody came up to me and held a gun to my head. And tried to get me to do a thing, whatever the thing was. Would I have the, the, the strength to say, what are you doing? Threatening me with heaven? Because that's all death is. Death is just the next step toward closer to heaven. Whether you die tragically because some criminal shoots you in the head or an enemy soldier does the thing. Or you die slowly and painfully from some painful form of cancer. Or walking down the street and somebody runs you over and you die instantly. I don't know. We don't know how we're going to die. But all we can do is live for God the best that we can while we're here. Why? Because there is no condemnation. Because of what God did. Because you were living by faith. Because you have been declared righteous because of that faith. And because God has known from the beginning that you would believe in him. And he has got you and he cannot lose you. Because you are now God's elect there is nothing you can do to lose your salvation so even if you're having a bad day a bad week a bad month god has still got you as long as you keep turning to him and all that you have you keep turning to god you don't turn your back you don't ignore him you keep going to scripture you keep learning about god through sunday school and through uh, sermons you keep singing about god during the worship service, while you're at home, listening to the radio, getting out a hymnal or a songbook that has godly songs, your Spotify list, whatever you got, you keep praising God, you keep reaching out to Him, and you keep part of reaching out to Him is telling others about Him. So I thank you for watching. I thank you for listening. It's, it's close in prayer. Lord God, you are a mighty and a precious God. Help us to be your servants in all that we do. Help us to love you and to serve you, Lord. Help us to proclaim your word to others, and help us to continue to confess you with our mouth and believe in our heart that you are Lord and that you have been raised from the dead, so that we can be declared righteous. And accept salvation from you because the wages of sin is death but your glorious gift is eternal life we just pray all this in jesus name amen i thank you for watching and thank you for listening thank you shirley for letting me use your classroom this morning Um, i thank you for watching if you want to know more about us go to towerviewkc.com check out our facebook page at towerview baptist church in kansas city missouri uh, call us if you want to, or send us a text at 816-368-1330. So there's multiple ways you can get a hold of us. Uh, thank you for watching. God bless. Uh, if you're going to uh, come to Drive-In Church uh, here at 1030, if you'll be in the parking lot, tune your radios to 91.9. Uh, or check out the, our, our website uh, for, the other, uh, for the sermon, and the music will be posted later this morning.